one day I decided to ask myself, could I break five minutes in the mile? At age 30, could I return to the sport of track and go after my unmet goal of breaking five minutes? Was my body capable of this? Was my mind capable of this? And most importantly, was my spirit capable of pushing through the ups and downs to find the answer? You are listening to Breaking Five, a running podcast, where we search for this answer as well as yours for achieving your Breaking Five moment, whatever that may be for you. We will gain inspiration and knowledge from others who have achieved their Breaking Five moment, those working towards theirs, as well as those who have helped the athletes along the way. I'm your host, Kristen Schultz, physical therapist, runner, and running coach. Let's run full force towards our wildest dreams and take a listen to today's episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. In this podcast, I am joined by Alan Phillips. Alan is another physical therapist and run coach. In this episode, we are going to be talking all things running. We're going to be talking about how to run by feel. I know a lot of runners, this can be challenging at first when you first try to do this. So we're going to have a good discussion on running by feel. We get into running form, get into talking about training for your best next half marathon or marathon. Ellen has a wealth of knowledge as it comes to anything running related. And I'm super excited for you guys to get to hear from him today. So let's dive into today's episode and we'll see you inside today's episode. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. I am here today with Alan Phillips. Alan is a physical therapist and run coach, and he is the kettlebell doc and the owner of the kettlebell doc. He is a physical therapist in Arizona. So if anyone is in Arizona, he is located there, but also an online run coach. So we have a lot of physical therapists and run coaches coming on this podcast, but um, this one's going to be a lot more for the runners out there. Alan has ran a number of bonds and like you've shared the half marathons, marathons going to be picking his brain on that, but also getting into some things like running by feel, his thoughts on form with running, um, and really just how to get strong so that you can run your best um, race yet. So Alan, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to pick your brain today. Um, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And it's it's a luxury to have a working in a connection because yes. I spent that last year uh, when I was in uh, the Middle East yes. uh, with uh, some challenges You know where I I think it was calls with you where I was like out in the middle of a dirt field just because that was the only place where you get get a signal. So it's yes, is... it is like delayed. Now you can just oh, yeah, that go too. back and forth. Yeah. So Alan was just you're in uh, the reserves, right? So you're right. army, correct? Right. And he was just serving as a physical therapist over in the Middle East. And so like almost, I mean, not quite the last year, but almost it was what, like nine months? <laughs> Yeah, I was nine months in country and about 11 months away from home. Yeah. Yeah, by the time you get over there and everything. So he's back now, finally. Um, and now he's back with his own business and everything too. But yeah, we had some coaching calls while he was over there. And no, but I'm excited to pick your brain on all things running today. This will be exciting. Anyway, so let's start with, if you don't mind, if you could share with our audience how you got into running. When, when did you start running? What's your background in running? Yeah, so I didn't run in school. But I guess the first race that I ever ran was in eighth grade or before Thanksgiving. They had a big school-wide turkey trot. Um, I didn't have no clue what I was doing. Yeah, you know, I basically trained for it by riding my BMX bike around the neighborhood a bunch of times uh, yeah. for, for cardio. Nice. Um, All right. Borrowed, so totally prepared. <laughs> yeah, I borrowed a pair of, of running shoes uh, that were too small because all I had were like, you know, baseball cleats and basketball shoes and have any 
running shoes, you know, quotes, that's yeah. a weird sport. Uh, so that was kind of my <laughs> first real introduction to running other than, although like if you go back to elementary school, even with like the, the mile run and gym class, I seem to always be one of the, the top finishers I just naturally had some good stamina. You know, I was not so great in the soccer field. We had to sprint, but if it was just keep going for a long time, I seemed to do all right. Did More not run specialty. in high school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did not run in high school uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I was very involved with uh, music um, and also uh, played golf as my primary sport, um, but also developed uh, pericarditis on my freshman year. Um, so it's a inflammation of the sac surrounding the heart. So intense cardio activity was, was pretty much out for, for a while, but then kind of f- formally got into running to, for good when I went to college and played uh, golf in college. And around the time I started college, that's when Tiger Woods was, was coming on the scene. Um, and before Tiger running or fitness in general, wasn't really a big part of golf, but then Tiger changed the game and I was like, oh, you know, yeah. everyone started to get fit or try to get fit. Um, and, you know, because you're out there a long time, you're carrying a bag, you're walking, you know, if you're playing two rounds in a day, which you do in college sometimes, you're walking like 12 miles with a bag. Yeah, you kind on. of need to be in fit for that. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, and I had no clue what I was doing still. Basically go out in the morning, I go out to the, the school track um, and just kind of run is I feel pretty much it's like if I felt good, I'd run fast. If I didn't feel good, I'd run not so fast. But one thing that does stick out from that time is being somewhat new to running. Whenever like the, the track team or cross country or um, just even the swim team came out there, I was like terrified. It's like, I was just like, I felt like, you know, talk about imposter syndrome. I felt like I didn't belong there. So I'd go and retreat and like run laps around the tennis court or something. <laughs> so that was kind of my, my formal introduction to running. To running. <laughs> right. <laughs> So it was like getting in shape for golfing kind of more. So. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then kind of fortuitously, uh, my sophomore year, I was uh, at a banquet uh, for the Athletic Hall of Fame. So it in, uh, inducting a bunch of you know past uh, people uh, from the athletic department into the Hall of Fame. And I just happened to be sitting next to the assistant cross-country coach and we just started talking about stuff. And I said, yeah, I kind of into running. I like this thing. I like to get better at it. So he gave me some workouts. Um, and then I think it was the following year. I ran an all-comers track meet at the at the school. So that was kind of fun and did a few road races here and there. Then the road races kind of took on a life of their own. It started as, okay, I'm just going to get in shape for golf. Um, and then it's like, oh, wow, this is kind of fun too. Yeah. And started competing in road races. And then 5Ks became 10, as 10s became half, half became full. <laughs> and this kind of escalated from there. And then full, you know, eventually got into triathlon as well. Ran my first marathon at uh, the end of my undergrad. Um, and then when I transitioned uh, out of undergrad into uh, my first round of grad school, I was a little burned out on golf just because uh, I wasn't playing as well as I had wanted. Um, but then also running was just such this juxtaposition to golf because in golf, the harder you try, the worse you do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas like in running, at least when you're starting out, right. Uh, is like the more you just dig deep and get after it and suffer as much as you can, like the faster you go. Right. Obviously right. there's a, there's a limit to that. You know, our body starts breaking down as mine did at, at various points, Yeah, um, but it was, it was a very rewarding thing to kind of have this thing where it's like, if I just try harder, I, I get better. If I work harder, I, I get right. better. But ultimately that led to some injuries and setbacks over the years. Uh, but then when I was in first round of grad school, I got in the triathlon and then over the next um, couple of decades or so, kind of been alternating back and forth between uh, triathlon and uh, distance running. In terms of the coaching side, you know, it kind of started out as just like friends or whatever saying, hey, you mind uh, giving me some advice on running? You know, then got a little more formal with it. 
um, that was very involved um, with a couple of message boards, you know, when message boards were, were a big thing. Uh, with especially <laughs> I with, never got into those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like the stone ages. Um, <laughs> Must be why. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, it was very involved there and was able to interact with a lot of uh, runners there. It's like called the Run Zone, uh, which my coach uh, was uh, kind of the main guy at, interacted with a lot of people and um, you know, learned a lot through that process. Um, but then you know, eventually went to PT school and then, so that kind of all got interwoven in. Yeah, kind of here we are now. Yeah, no, awesome. So you didn't grow up running, but you kind of always knew you did. You excelled at it without having to do much, right? Way back when, and then played golf, like complete opposite sport, I feel like, in college. <laughs> but clearly kind of always had still kind of maybe a little bit of a passion for running. And then, yeah, no, it's, I think it's cool how like, you know, running was kind of like that opposite of golf for you. I'm sure like, I don't know, like I grew up playing softball and I'm just like, I, I mean, I've played other sports too but like this is not really similar <laughs> you know you don't I don't I mean it's it they can overlap a little bit but totally different sports so you had that running and then would you say running's become like your main sport now is it mainly what you do now yeah it's it's a big part of my life for sure I say it's something that I do pretty much every day and yeah I've kind of gotten back into golf a, a bit so it's hard to say which is number one uh, right now um, yeah. There was a period of time where I did both. So I played professional speed golf for a speed while. Golf. So, okay. So, what yeah. is professional speed golf? I don't even know what this is. Yeah. So if any of the speed... runners care to know, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> so speed golf is a combination of golf and running. So basically we play a regular round of golf, but instead of walking or, or riding in a cart, uh, you basically run from shot to shot. Oh, um, okay. And it's, instead of your score, just being how num- the number of strokes it takes to get the ball in the hole, your score is the number of strokes you take plus the amount of time that you take. So faster is better, of course. And then lower scores are better, of course, right. as well. Now we've attracted some since retired, but kind of in our, when things were going at full steam and we were attracting some pretty big names So Bernard Lagarde gave it a shot once. Okay. Um, he couldn't play golf very well, but it was like a, a gazelle running down the fairway. I mean, you think you're going fast. It's, you know, you know five <laughs> well, it sounds, miles. Sounds like a good, uh, good sport for you. You can combine golf and running, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Okay. So then you went to school to be first physical therapy. Was that because you wanted to work with athletes or did you want to work with runners? Did you know that at the time or did that develop over later on? Oh, so working with runners specifically developed later on, but before I went to PT school, I was doing some you know, personal training, strength coaching um, on the side. Um, and that, that's what eventually led me into uh, PT school mainly, but because my background was in, in running mostly that's naturally gravitated um, in that direction. And, and of course, just naturally because runners get hurt a lot. There just tends to be a, a big <laughs> a number group of... that we can work with, right? Right. We're always, we're always injured. Uh, and now you mainly work with runners, correct? Right, right, exactly. Right. Well, I mean, since you mentioned it, I mean, you said since runners tend to get injured, we'll just take your take on it for the runners listening. But what do you feel like are, you know, main reasons runners tend to find themselves injured a lot? I think part of it is the nature of the activity in itself. Yeah. Um, like if you were to get under a, let's say you try to bench press um, a weight that is, is above your ability, um, you're going to find out very quickly that it's too much. Uh, whereas with running, we don't really find out that we've overstepped our, our limits until three or four or five weeks later. Right. Um, so the workout that you know, we crushed on the track that was like 
the best of our life, that might've been kind of the, one of the things that pushes us over the edge and then starts this negative cycle of, of overtraining and, you know, fatigue and, and all of that. So I think it's, it's just the nature of the activity itself. And then also just uh, the type of people that, you know, we tend to be uh, obsessive, compulsive, and don't want to miss days and you know, kind of just run through everything. Um, yeah. So there's this, that the natural personality of, runners itself and then just the activity itself I mean, it's 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 a high impact activity we're, we're colliding with planet earth on one <laughs> foot alternating for thousands and millions of, of foot strikes yeah um, so it is a, a high impact activity in itself so i think that those probably the three main things um, and then you could get into things at the individual level with you know just training plan design and you know biomechanics and people especially as as uh, running if we're talking adult runners, you know, people, you know, maybe haven't been super active uh, for a while, but then running becomes the conduit to um, pursue higher levels, levels of fitness, and then maybe come to it with you know, lacking flexibility or strength, and then just go out and he says, Oh, running can't be that hard. Just go out and get after it. And- yeah. <laughs> not understand the amount of demand that really does put on your your body and you know right. like i'm seeing that right now as i'm returning to running after an injury that's taken me out for a while it's just like all right like i have to respect the process and even though i've been there before like i know how much my body can handle i gotta respect you know where it's at currently and not just go out and do whatever i want because it's like you said also it's like gonna be a few weeks later maybe you're like i'm not gonna know right then it'll feel great then but later it's gonna be like oh yeah you're doing too much <laughs> yeah and right. it's the mental side of that too it's it's especially someone who's like yourself, very accomplished and you go out and it's, you're, you're running and it's like, man, I used to do this run at like 45 seconds per mile or a minute per mile faster. And it's right. like, oh my gosh, I'm so slow now. And yeah. Or if you go on the track and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm doing these 5k pace intervals at, you know, what my, I used to run for a marathon. <laughs> right, right, right. You're like, oh. well, it's yeah, the mental aspect of, you know, you and you know where you're able to be and then, but where your body's ready to be might not be there. Exactly. It probably isn't right away. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think that's good for your runners here. Just always good to hear. I mean, obviously I bring a lot of running coaching and physical therapists on here, but just seeing, hearing it again, like, you know, what can lead to injury. And then also just knowing, I mean, if you are a runner, it's like your, your body, you, you may get injured, right? It's not like something we can necessarily, and you can correct me if you have a different opinion. Like we can just be like, oh, you're going to be injury free for sure. But we can do a lot of stuff that can keep you like hopefully from getting injured, but it's sometimes the nature of the sport as well a little bit. Yeah. It's all we can do is use best practices and try to stack the odds in, in our favor and, and really hope for the best um, because yeah, it, it's even if you were to run in a completely sterile environment, um, you know, there'll be problems with that, whether it's running on the track or, or running on the treadmill, this uh, repetitive use of not varying your surfaces. Uh, so, right. so yeah, it's, there's kind of pitfalls pretty much everywhere you, you step and uh, yeah, we just do our best to, to mitigate the, the risk as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Mitigate the risk. Hey, that's good. That's good. So shifting into a little bit on, we were chatting, you know, before the call and stuff, like how you like to, do you run by feel yourself as well? Or is this just something you like to coach your athletes on or yeah, I guess going into the running by feel, is that something you and do yourself as well? Uh, sometimes. And for parts of it, it's like for, for easy runs. Uh, yeah. Yes. Very much by feel. I mean, I've actually, I want to go back and get a, get us a regular stopwatch since they're hard to find since we all have yeah. GPSs. Yeah. GPS now. But sometimes if I'm going for an easy run, I know the route, you know, I'll look at, okay, look what time it is when I, when I leave. And then yep. and I have an idea of how long it, it takes. And yeah, it's, 
if we're within a few minutes here or there, it doesn't really matter if I'm going for like a 45 minute run, as long as I'm not out there for, you know, for two hours. Right. Um, right. You know, and then the, the pace again, you, you know, changing terrains and, and whatever. Um, so yeah, for easy runs, uh, definitely uh, very much by feel. Um, and then, yeah, I, I do believe in, in the, you know, the fart leg training a lot for various reasons, um, but that is you know, another form of a feel. Um, yeah. So yeah, so those are kind of two main ways in which I'd say um, run by feel, and then also hills um, because you're not necessarily timing. Well, I guess you could you know, do you know 200 to 400 meter reps, but a lot of times of uh, you know people tend to do hills by time more than anything. Yeah, makes sense. So when is running by feel appropriate for a runner? When do you like to use that with a runner? Yeah, I think for everyone, um, it is certain certain point. I think. Uh, probably that's one thing that's often lost on beginners, especially yeah. is because it's just become part of the culture now. You know, you, you have your bracelet or your, your GPS watch and it's we record everything. If you don't record it, it didn't happen, right? Right, right. Uh, right. So just there's a lot of people just seem to be out of touch with the feel of just uh, what an easy run feels like. So I right. think it's very important to establish that early. And it's something that kids seem to, or if you run in school, you tend to get that a bit more um, just because the, the GPS culture isn't quite as big. But I do believe that even for the most accomplished runners out there, you know, doing your easy runs just by feel, you know, if, let's say you've hit it hard on the track on Wednesday and Thursday, you come out, you're kind of sore. Um, you know, I'd much rather say, just go out and go by feel and, and the pace is what it is rather than saying, okay, well, I'm at this level of fitness and the chart says I should do my easy runs from 7.15 to 7.30 pace, even though 7.15 to 7.30 pace a day after a very hard workout on the track might feel very fast. And your body might be saying, oh, this just isn't feel recovery. You, know, you might need eight or nine minutes that day. So that's, that's another one of those risk mitigating factors as well, just paying attention to our body and um, you know, our body's going to tell us. Uh, tell us a lot. It's like with, with PT. It's like, if you just listen to the patient, they're going to tell you the diagnosis. Right. Um, so if we just listen to the signs and, um, and be in tune with what our body's saying, there's just so many benefits with that, not only for risk mitigation, but if, when we you know, get into racing as well, you know, when you're out in the course, you know, you're two thirds, three quarters of the way through the race. It's like the, the stopwatch goes out the window. It's like, right. It's, you know, it's all you and your body and, and being on that fine line. And, you know, do I want to pick up the pace or do I want, am I just in survival mode, just trying to get to the finish line? And, you know, and as you know, as, as I know you run on the track more, um, but just being able to correlate, you know, like a half second per 200, you know, in a mile, just knowing, okay, where, where is that threshold of where I can surge ahead? And, you know, when you've got that, when you have that feel of knowing that, okay, if a 31.5 second, 200 feels like this, 32 feels like that. If, if yep. you're just fo so focused on the watch, you, you don't know when you're in a race and then, you know, the pack breaks away. If you don't have a good sense of your body, you don't know whether it's, whether it's time to to stay with the pack or whether it's, you know what, I'm, I don't have it right now. I just need to right. save and hopefully they come back to me. So let's start like with easy runs. Like how would you instruct an athlete that you have uh, to run by feel like, let's say they're like newer to it or they're just not good. They always train by pace or whatever. Any like tips that you have or advice that you give them to learning how to go by feel? Is it like an RPE scale or how do you instruct that? Specifically RPE or, or kind of the, the old, kind of the old school way of it's, conversational you know, is the pace that you can hold uh, a converse a normal conversation yeah more conversation that yeah um, i think that's really the, the simplest the way best. yeah 
Yeah. And I think the RP scale tends to work pretty well too, you know, especially if someone is, has been somewhat active, you know, they know mm-hmm. that if you give them the K on the scale of zero to 20, you know, you should be feeling about a 10 to 12, maybe 13 mm-hmm. uh, for this run. So kind of a little over 50% effort that seems to be um, intuitive with people as well. Um, but the yeah. talk test, I mean, that stood the, the test of time really. Yeah. So you'll do, you like the talk test kind of like, Hey, yeah. whatever face you can have a conversation at. No, and I think it's important. It's like, and I forget cause I've been running so long sometimes it's like to describe to someone, it's just like, I always do my easy runs really based off feel, you know, I'll pay attention to the pace and stuff. And yeah, sometimes I get competitive with myself here or there. I mean, it's been a while, obviously. Um, But for the most part, like easy runs, like I just, yeah, listen to my body, but like for someone newer to running, sometimes it might be like, well, I don't really know. I haven't done this. So conversation pace or RPE scale, I've always used zero to 10 RPE scale. You'll use a zero to 20. Like that's like the original one technically, right? Yeah. Sometimes zero, zero, to, zero 10, to 10 technically yeah, modified or whatever it's called. Yeah, I'm right? just trying to be all, all sassy and evidence-based. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> We're okay. You don't have to be, but you can be too. Whatever, whatever you prefer is fine. I'm not too picky on that stuff, but awesome. So for anyone else, they're newer to this like you know that would be a good way to start learning how to listen to your body because i mean the importance of this topic is i feel like so many runners don't truly tune into their body and that is also where injuries can happen and stuff like we're ignoring things we're really going by we're really accomplishment based right you know a lot of you know runners are very accomplished focused you know i gotta run this pace and this is what determines if i'm gonna get better or not um i have to reach this goal let's not listen to my body but like this can go into so many things, but how important it is. But I truly feel like sometimes like, I don't know if people like have learned how to listen to their body. So yeah, I'm just wanted to see what you, what you do that there for easy runs. So that's what you do for easy runs. And then what about for other runs? Are you, you know, are you always instructing a pace or will you give, you know, listening to your body on, you know, intervals and tempo runs? You talked about doing a lot of you liking fart licks. What will you do with your athletes for that? Uh, so there tends to be more of, of a mix. Uh, I'd say f- Fart licks a lot of time. If it's if it's if it's an experienced runner, then yeah, we yeah. can kind of correlate and saying, okay, I want you to do you know fifteen times one minute hard, one minute easy. Try to be around five k ish pace for the or five k effort for the one minutes, and then the easies, you know, just you know, just take it easy. Yep. So if it's if it's an experienced runner, then yeah, they have that that benchmark of kind of know of, what that is. Like, right. You tell right. me to do that. Okay, I understand. <laughs> and then with a newer runner, yeah, that's that's maybe where the the RPE comes in, or maybe that's when also just the feel in general comes in. It's like, hey, just go a minute hard, take a minute easy, and and let them you know explore, so have some self discovery of like figuring out where that sweet spot is. You know, think about you might say like, okay, if or if you're going to run a 5K, you know, how fast would you be going? So it, it really depends on the situation for the fartleks. Um, I, I do like fartleks too, since you know, we're in the heat of summer right now. We're dealing with certain type of weather conditions. Uh, and it's so really it's, effort-based then. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, and we get kind of get to the mental side too of, of like, you know, if it's 100 degrees, well, probably would be running 100 degrees. I'd say it's hot and humid or it's, or even if it's cold and windy, you know, you go out and let's say you're, you're, you want to do, hold um, 90 second quarters on the track, but the weather is so ridiculously oppressive. And then, you know, you, you come through the first lap and, you know, 96 and then, yep. you know, next lap is 98. And then you, know, you, you just, you just totally feel like uh, you failed the workout. Right. Um, right. Whereas, whereas if you just go by effort, you, you know, set yourself up for success. Um, yep. So that's another thing too. And then also, since we're talking about, I think the, the mental aspect in two ways also of number one, you know, when we're talking about people who are you know, working, 
um, have all sorts of other other responsibilities. Sometimes just conserving that mental bandwidth yeah. of like, okay, I don't have to worry about hitting these exact paces. It's like I just go out and you know, get the effort in, and then you know that I'm going to have a, a very positive uh, training effect. Similarly, like if we're talking about a marathon, for instance, uh, if, you know, if you have let's say a, a hard marathon workout on the weekend, maybe both physically and mentally, maybe it is better to just go out and do a fart like during the week. Um, so you're not having to you know, get up so many times. It's, you know, could serve that mental energy to say, okay, I'm, I have this 10 mile marathon pace run on Sunday, and it's just going to be a lot easier to conserve that, that mental bandwidth sometimes if we you know, save, focus more on the, on the marathon workout and just say, you know what, just get the work in. Doesn't really matter the exact pace during the week. Cause that's not our main workout. Um, yeah. So, so that's another way that can yeah. use it, use it too. Yeah. I think, and I think this is good and hopefully, you know, resonating with some runners as, especially if you have a hard time, you know, slowing down or just listening to your body in general, like as you learn more about running, it's, it really just isn't just going all out on all your days. It's understanding like Alan was even just saying like, okay, understanding like this marathon pace workout is like the most important, right? So let's make sure this is the most on. And if that means that this workout earlier in the week, isn't necessarily as hard or whatever, that's fine. But understanding like what are the priorities, what's really going to make you faster. And then ultimately like how to listen to your body overall. Do you have any advice for listening to your bodies as far as like where, when it comes to like injuries and, um, you know, runners with learning to listen to their bodies and when, when to push and when to hold back, depending on how they're feeling that way. Yeah, that's always a tough one, especially yeah. when you get into the, is it, am I sore or am I, am I in pain? You know, it's, I'm still trying to figure that one out myself. Yeah, and and like, I think it's, I don't think any of us have it figured out. Um, but just knowing that that there is a dichotomy there, I think is is the first step to know that just be aware that that does exist. Try that challenge of trying to to separate the two. But then, uh, yeah, certainly a training log um, because a lot of times you can look back and then see patterns. Because um, ultimately, it really is patterns um, that we're looking for. You know, I can look back at my history and I can see times where it was like, it's like wow, I I could feel something going wrong there. Um, but I just yeah. pushed through it because it didn't going. seem like yeah. anything. Right. Whereas now having, having made those mistakes enough, I kind of know uh, what to look out for. And, and then also just kind of being able to be proactive with things, you know, when we're going back to you're running at the appropriate paces, um, you know, that itself is going to, is going to mitigate some of the injuries. So just preventing ourselves from getting to the point where we need to make this make this a uh, very important decision of am I hurt or am I just uh, am I just sore and then really erring on the side of caution yep and I think the other thing too is because it's easy to say here oh so, you know if, if you feel a little twinge in your calf you know just just take off I mean we you know it's easier said than done you know right. no one wants to do that right but what we can do is let's say you have that hard workout coming up you're having the discipline to say okay I'm not going to run on the track with my hamster or my calf or hamster or whatever feeling kind of twingy i'm just going to go easy i'm still going to you know get in a, a very you know positive session but it might just not be the intensity that we want so being able to just pivot a lot of times too it's it's not yeah we're not necessarily we're not having to make this grand pronouncement of it is it a injury is it sore be able to um, just pivot with things and keep the ball rolling oh perfect and i if, think yeah and, and just um it goes back to the to the idea too of if it takes time for there's a delay in, in when injuries happen in running it's it's typically not instantaneous yeah uh, so you the flip side to that the positive side to that is yet you do have some time 
typically that you can, you can pivot and just say, I'm just going to go easy. I'm going to go shorter. Those adjustments rather than having to be this, this kind of black or white, I'm either going to go all out or I'm going to not run at all. Yeah. Um, so just knowing that you have that option to still get out there, but just make some adjustments. Yeah, for sure. And I know speaking of staying injury-free and just kind of like the whole topic we've been talking about the whole time, what, you know, I feel like a lot of, not a lot, but some runners with like, let's say they're getting injured or they see something out there online or whatnot, like to, you know, focus on like, seeing if they can correct their form to um, see if that will help their injuries and stuff. What is your take on that? What's the best way to go about correcting your form should runners be when should they when shouldn't they be where's where's your take all that and i know we're chatting about this a little bit before the call today yeah so i think some of that uh, relates to the the feel topic uh, just you're getting it in tune with your body going um and then when you have that baseline when you're that familiar with with you know the feels of uh, your body and your stride and and all of that uh, then you're able to you know be in tune with with those cues um and now in terms of changing form, um, then yeah, that's absolutely something, you know, you should do, uh, when we feel an injury or, or something like that coming on, uh, where I might differ from some of the mainstream is I would suggest that, yeah, you make a change, but just anything, any change might be better if you're into, let's say an injury producing uh, sort of pattern. So there isn't, there isn't necessarily like, okay, I'm, I'm running wrong. So I need to correct this. And now if I run this way, I'm going to be out of pain. It's like, instead it's more that, okay, if I'm running this way and it could be causing pain, if I just do something different to load the tissues in a, a different way, then really any sort of change to vary the, uh, you know, vary the stride. And sometimes it's as simple as that, like having, you know, just making these minor variations, like with marathoning, for instance, you know, to teach people to, you'll have some di- different strides, um, you know, for later in the race. And it's very subtle okay. things. It's like, if I maybe shorten my stride just a little bit for a hundred meters, okay. Maybe that, that, uh, freshens me up a little bit and I can get back to my normal stride. Yeah. Um, so having just these, those little things, those little cues that you can make at a conscious level. And ultimately over time, you can hopefully make them at an unconscious level yeah. uh, to make those adjustments. Uh, so yeah, I think for form, I mean, definitely any sort of change if you're feeling, you know, if you're feeling some sort of injury coming on, I mean, overall uh, for form, I think we need to be, if we're intellectually honest with what we can say about form, we just know that sometimes a change uh, can be an improvement. Um, it, it's very hard to say sometimes that, okay, if I, that because I'm doing this, I'm causing pain if I'm you know, in this structure because this structure is doing that. I mean, certainly that's a great starting point and it gives us clues. And sometimes that might be the case, but that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, of what's what's causing the injury um so just it, it's i mean ultimately you kind of get to the same place um but just the reasons why something might work you know the reasons why a change in form might work is i'd say it's probably more likely that it's the novelty effect you're just stressing the body in a different way more than okay i fit myself into this mold of what uh, the biomechanists say this is what running is supposed to look like because we know just yeah. just turn on the um, a race, a professional race, you'll see all kinds of ghastly looking running forms. It's like, why, how is this person running that let alone at a world-class level? Right. Yeah. So overall, do you feel like form should be given as much attention as it is sometimes with runners or when would you look at changing someone's form? I, I think form deserves, deserves a lot of attention, but I think in a different way than we might think. 
Um, so not certainly like paying correcting it. It's like, right. You're right. saying like, just change something for more from the, the stance of changing something versus being like, okay, this is exactly what's going on. Like your hips jumping here. So you're weak here and da, 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 da. Like, right. Right. And, uh, and then not, not to diminish that completely. I mean, I think that's yeah. certainly a, a good starting point and, and, you know, you're never going to be wrong by, by working on hip stability in, in runners. Uh, but I think also what gets lost too in the, in the digital age is, is just these global cues of like, just, you know, feeling your hands relaxed or feeling your shoulders relaxed or relaxing, keeping your face relaxed. Um, yeah. Those are, those are form cues as well and yeah. perfectly, perfectly legitimate and, and uh, good things for, for people to think about. If we're talking about like specifics of, of form, I think, the best way that I've found to change things is with hills um, because it's very hard to run up a hill. You have to correctly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, so it's, it's like, you know, run up the hill and most people are going to get closer to you know their ideal form. And if you say, okay, I want you to do, you know, tuck your arm here and then bend your knee here, you know, and also just, and that's just, just based on the, the basic science of skill acquisition. If we overload the body with all these verbal cues, uh, learning is not as effective as if we're able to create uh, you know, environmental cues or um, you know, external cues that we're able to learn from rather than you know, overloading ourselves with, with technical cues. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 for, so for the runners listening, what would be like your main piece of advice for them um, when it comes to form? Like main takeaway? I'd say hills. Hills. Run hills. There we go. All right. Run hills. Alan is telling you to run hills. All right, Alan. I don't know the last time I ran hills. Actually, I went up a hill a little bit yesterday. But it was on my walk run as I'm returning to running. And I would say too that like hills, I hesitate to say sprints because some people kind of go crazy with it, but hill kind of charging up the hill and looking at really 10 to 30 or 8 to 30 seconds. Yeah, you know, we're not talking about going out and automatically doing you know, 400 to 800 meter hill repeats, but really short bursts were really just concentrating on form. The, the, the power output's able to stay high. We're able to really pay attention to what we're doing and not getting into that survival mode of trying to get up the hill and then taking time between the reps to recover fully. So really working on that, the skill component of running simply because I think, you know, we kind of lose sight sometimes of the global aspect of, of skill. And it's not just drawing lines and angles and all of that. It's, you know, creating those fields and, and environments and, you know, even the work to rest ratio um, is so crucial. So it's not just go out and run as hard as you can up the hills. It's, it's creating the type of workout setting um, that allows yeah. for the best skill acquisition. Hey, I just want to say thank you so much, first of all, for listening to today's episode and just want to come in here really quick to chat with you guys all. We'll see if it's really quick, but just want to talk to you all about Beyond Rehab for Running Clinicians. This is going to be for any of my clinicians listening to this episode. Beyond Rehab for Running Clinicians Team 4 is officially open and I wanted to make sure to let you guys all know. So if you are a clinician who works with runners or want to be, work with runners, this is going to be for you. So this is for all the physical therapists, the dietitians, personal trainers that follow me. If this is you and you work with runners or want to work with runners, you'll want to listen to this. So this is for anyone looking to learn how to write running programs and also for anyone looking to start their online business working with runners and you need to know where to go to get started and how to get those first clients because we all know you can know how to start it but if you don't get clients not really worth anything if we're not helping anything but this is going to give you everything you need to know to get started with the programming the actual pro 
programming, putting it out online. How do we do that? As well as knowing how to write programs. If that's something you need to know, you need to know the physiology behind it and how to actually put it all together that it makes sense for programming, you know, anywhere from a 5k all the way up to a marathon. And then we're going to go over the marketing and sales you need to get your first clients. Now, if you're listening to some of these episodes, you are going to hear that a couple of these clients in these episodes are getting up to eight clients after the end of four months of working with here. So to give you perspective on what can be done in four months, you're sitting there right now, both those clients had no clients at the beginning of this. They weren't helping anyone and now have eight clients. So just to give you an idea of what is possible, I hope you're enjoying these episodes that are kind of giving you an idea of what's possible. But if you are interested in having a spot in team four, please reach out to me at Kristen underscore run your life. I am at Instagram or Kristen Schultz, my personal Facebook page. Those are the best places to reach me. If for whatever reason you don't have either. No, if you're listening to this, I'm going to assume you have one of those. So reach out to me there to apply and see if it is appropriate for you. We would love to have you. Um, now, if I'm getting questions on when does this end, it's an ongoing enrollment. As of right now, there will be a deadline as it fills up and I will let you know what that is. If you are ready to go and get started, don't hold back, reach out. Let me know if you're interested. All right, we'll get back to today's show. And I guess I should say really quick, I know this is probably a more of a clinician episode if you're listening to this, but if you are a runner or you're a clinician that already works for runners, I do have both spots open for my run coaching, my personal run coaching, not just coaching other clinicians right now. So if you're a runner wanting to reach some goals, that is still open. And if you are a clinician who already works with runner and is needing some ongoing coaching on how to find more clients, I also have opportunities for you. Didn't want to leave you guys out because that tends to be everyone that listens to this podcast. But with that said, let's get back to the show. Enjoy the rest of today's episode. All right. I want to get into a little bit on strength training um, and what you like to prescribe for your runners. So you have the name, the kettlebell doc. You only give your athletes kettlebell workouts. Is that all you do or? No, no. It's mainly so mean kettle, yeah, yeah, kettlebell and, and body weight. I'm not big with the barbell simply because it's not something I've specialized in. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, mainly kettlebells and body weight and you know, bands, of course, and stuff like that. Yeah. What do you feel like all program strength programs should have as a runner? I think really hitting the basic movement patterns, whether it's your push, your pull, your squat hinge, um, some carries are also good too. And then I think yep. ground-based movements are also um, very helpful. Just the act of getting up and down off the ground is, is, uh, can be tiring, uh, but it's also yeah. great for mobility um, as yep. well. I think we do need to be very cautious though. And this is where I see a lot of people getting into problems is you know, be very protective of our leg freshness uh, for yeah. our runs. It's like, yeah, it's like, it, it sounds great to say, okay, I'm going to do some deadlifts and do some squats or whatever, but you know, certainly it might seem obvious to some people, but to others, it's not so obvious that, you know, maybe the, the day before a track workout, isn't the day to, to get after it with squats. Or if you're going to a situation where you're not in control of the workout, let's say someone goes to the orange theory, or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, okay, yeah. my orange theory day is Tuesday. My track day is Wednesday. And yeah, uh, yep. next thing you know, you've done, you know, 80 squats or whatever and, and, <laughs> and, uh, box jumps at orange theory um, yep. the day before track. And to some people might not realize that that's uh, an issue. Yeah. Um, so be, I, I like to be very protective of, you know, leg freshness. Um, I think that's where some periodization comes in as well. So certainly we, it's, it's advisable to train the legs, even though we want to preserve them for running, but maybe saving that for, for the off season and then, you know, backing off with some leg stuff when we're in season or, you know, everyone's going to be a little different and knowing what leg stuff is less taxing while still giving yeah. you some, some benefit. So I think that's one of the, the key take-homes today. 
offer people too. And then also just the set and rep schemes. We, we get enough cardio with the running itself. So we don't need to do more cardio in the gym. Um, so generally I'm very low reps uh, when it comes to the gym stuff, even with you know kettlebells and body weight, you're able to do it at very high quality by keeping the reps low, but um, you're also kind of preserving that cardio side of things for lack of a better term. Yeah. So, and I mean, you know, going back to the whole, like say lifting before a hard workout and stuff, it's, I feel like it's all going to be dependent on the person too. And just l- learning to know your body again, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you've been lifting for a while, you might be fine the next day, but if you're newer and you're adding in this lifting too, like, and you're sore, then it's like, okay. Um, and not sore. I'm not saying sore is a bad thing, but if it seems like it's limiting, then that's where you might need to put a little bit more thought into when you're doing your, your strength and your runs and just knowing it can differ for everyone, I think too. Um, yeah. And then I typically... Yeah, my preference is so for kind of the heaviest uh, or most intense, especially for legs, I prefer to have like the heaviest lifting sessions on the same day as the quality running sessions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that, that sounds kind of crazy when people hear it sometimes, but I think it's, yeah. it, it does make practical sense because if you, let's say you have, you go to track on Tuesday and Thursday, you do a long run on Sunday. Okay. Well, let's say you go to the gym on Wednesday and Friday. Um, so next thing you know, you've got like, six days of the week, you're doing something kind of hard. Yep. Whereas if you consolidate the stress and let's say, okay, I, I do my heavy strength training on, on Tuesday and, and Thursday, you know, after track, let's say I go to track in the morning mm-hmm. and do a quick lifting session in the evening. You, if you consolidate that stress and you still give your body those full days of recovery um, that yeah. are, are beneficial. Yeah. So that's your, that's how you, you like the lift days to be like on the same day as a hard run. Right. right. And it's, it's obviously it's not going to work for, for everyone given right. Right. life commitments, but I think that's, that's ultimately, I found the best results uh, with yeah. that, just consolidating the, the stress. And there's, I know some people have talked about, you know, the, the growth hormone release when, um, of doing a strength session, um, you know, later in the day after, after a hard run. So if we're doing a hard run, we do get into a, a potentially catabolic state. So breaking down uh, muscle, uh, so sometimes doing some lifting kind of get that endocrine uh, system uh, primed in a way that's that's able to counteract uh, some of the the catabolic effects of you know intense aerobic exercise. Um, I don't know that's been proven, um, but it kind of makes sense, and I yeah. think it's uh, another thing that kind of used to justify it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, no, it's always good to hear what everyone uses. I personally don't love lifting on the same day. I has a hard workout. Like I'm done. Like I feel like mentally either one of two things in the workout, I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, I got to lift later still. Or also when I go to lift, I never feel like I give my all on my lift. Honestly, not that it needs to be like, Oh, I'll give my all. But like, I feel like my lift is like, is less because of it. So personally, I don't like doing it that way, but I know a lot of runners that do. And a lot of people that promote that way too, but I personally, and it's all on a personal level, prefer not to, but also I haven't tried it again lately. Maybe I'll try it again, but for a lot of people, it's like, comes down to your schedule too, right? You got to factor that in. And time of the season, time of the season too. It's like, if it's, if it's in base phase and your hard workouts aren't very hard, then, then yeah, sure. Just kind of do it, do it whenever, Um, but maybe eight weeks before the goal race, you know, maybe that's the kind of time where I'd say it's probably best to be more protective of your recovery days and your, you know, and being fresh for the um, key run days. Yeah, definitely makes sense. Um, I know that you've ran like a number of marathons and like you've shared that half marathons, marathons, kind of like your spot, like personally as a runner, but I feel like that correlates to like the coaching you do too. What would be, let's do like the top three tips you would have for someone training for a marathon in terms of the training itself. Like what would be three tips you'd have for someone training for a marathon? 
Number one, give yourself time. Uh, I think just simply jumping into a 12 or 16 or even 20 week plan, I mean, that, that can be great. But ultimately, I've found with myself and with other people in general that really the best performances, if you look back, it wasn't just because of the training block that led up to it. It's because Mm -hmm. the training was really solid and consistent for the year or two or three or even more, uh, the years leading up to that race. So really, give yourself time and don't expect that you're automatically going to have your best performance um, after you know, the 16 week training plan, because ultimately that, that 16 week training plan, that might be actually setting you up for the next marathon, not the, right. the one that's right. coming up. Not the one. Yeah. No, I like that. What do you have a, you know, obviously it's hard to have hard, you know, this way or that way, but someone newer, let's, let's say they're going to do like their first marathon. Do you have any limit of like how long they need to be training for, you know, cause I think a lot of people come in and like barely have been running there. It's like, Oh yeah, four months. I'm going to run a marathon. <laughs> like, Do you have any set? Like, uh, you need to be running for at least this long, or you need to be a following like an actual program for at least this long. And no set rules. I mean, yeah. especially because so many people come from different backgrounds, like someone yeah, who is, let's say a soccer player. Um, if, spend a lot of time running and on their feet, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they're going to do better on the 20 week plan than someone who has no athletic background and decides five months before the marathon that they want to do a marathon. Yes. Um, yes. So, so I think it, it's, it's really a case by case, um, but I do like to see a background of some type, you know, ideally we're talking newer runners, like to see people at least get comfortable with 5k and 10k and get comfortable with, with a half marathon, get comfortable with the marathon. If for nothing else, this you know, allows you to make mistakes with less stakes, less on the line, essentially. Yeah. Like you can, yeah. if you mess up, you, know, you, you eat something wrong before the local 5K, okay, no big deal. You, know, you shake it off, um, you, know, you adjust next time. Or if you do something wrong with your training or, or just you know, any, anything that, that can go wrong, it, it's better to have it go wrong with with less on the line than, you know, the marathon that you've built up for, for, for six, six months or a year. Um, And you you only get really kind of one or two shots at, at it per year to give it, you know, your really best. So just having that generalized experience uh, is, is incredibly valuable. And then ultimately I know, you know, some people do want to jump in quickly, but ultimately I think you'll have a better experience if you have some of that background. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. And I think it's like, the answer to everything. It depends. It depends on your situation, right? We, there's really no hard, fast rules to like really anything, but number one is give yourself time. So I think that's good. What would be your second like advice for someone training for a marathon? I think consolidate stress. Um, so it kind of goes back to a, a bit with uh, what we're talking about with, with the lifting, but with yep. you know, the marathon, I like to, because you know, the, the long runs can get you know, very long. And then, you know, it can be very taxing, especially if we're, ta- we're not talking elite athletes who can, you know, nap six hours a day. Um, but people who, you know, they, they do their long run on Sunday and, and maybe go really hard and, and far, um, but still have to you know, get up early on Monday and go to work. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that recovery profile is going to be a bit different than, than someone who can recover all day. Um, so with, with that in mind, I think consolidating the stress. So it's, you know, you have your big day on, let's say Sunday, and then not doing the say traditional Tuesday, Thursday track, but sin- instead consolidating it into just kind of a hard day on, on Wednesday. So really that's like yep. kind of two bigger days per week um, instead of trying to have like these mini hard days yeah. uh, throughout the week. Um, I also like, and this is kind of like tip 2A or 2B or 2C, whatever, <laughs> you're making sure there's something to be said for getting those days of 20 plus miles in and understanding that the 20 plus miles doesn't have to be like this, you know, this sacred ritual of, okay, I've built up to my, my 20 miles. 
you know, you can, I think it's very valuable to do doubles on those, those bigger days. I found it extremely yeah. helpful. It's, it's very uh, callousing. Um, it allows you to get the, that time on feet um, that you really simply can't replace. Um, that's right. essential for the marathon. Yeah. Um, but it allows you to do it in a way that's, uh, you know, more sustainable and it's healthier. And it's, I mean, if you're able to get in, you know, two days of the week where you're pushing 20 miles, you know, that that's extremely valuable. So I think you're consolidating in that way, yeah. which is something you're not going to be able to do if you go to say Tuesday track and then have to back it up again on Thursday. Yeah. You know, if you, if you have a really big day on Wednesday and you have two or three days between, then you're probably going to be fresh for, to hit it hard on uh, the next big long run day on the weekend. Yeah, no, I like that. I mean, that's a good way to think about it. Just overall, like just thinking about the stress on your body and your nervous system of it all, we can keep it on less days overall than um, can help with the overall stress. Again, overall <laughs> stress, we could look into so much outside of even training for stress too. So perfect. What would be your third tip then? Third tip is I uh, have a variety of long runs. Um, so we have our you know standard time on feet, easy long run. Uh, we have our you know, marathon pace, long run, kind of a you know, race rehearsal. Uh, one set I like is kind of alternating miles. So let's say you do a, say 16 miles, you go odd miles, going easy, even miles at marathon pace or somewhere around there. Uh, yeah. Whatever's appropriate uh, for that time and your fitness at the time. There's, you can, a long run could also be, let's say you do a standard, you know, tempo, tempo run. Let's say you go um, your four mile tempo run or you go five by mile. Um, yeah. and doing a, a long hour or hour 20 cool down after that. Um, that's another type of long run. You know, the, the fast finish long run is another one where you're doing that standard regular, just time on feet, but then you, you pick the pace up for the last two, three or six, even six miles uh, to just practice that, that feeling of running fast at the end of, end of the race. And it's both for the physical and for the, the mental aspect as well, you know, teaching yeah. yourself that you can do it because it's, yeah. So just basically have a variety of, of long runs that you have at your disposal. And the long run isn't just the go out and run 20 miles easy. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. So we shouldn't just do the 20 miles every single Saturday. Right. <laughs> that's what you're saying. Right. Okay. Okay. Now I like it. Awesome. So for anyone, you know, runs marathons, lucky to run marathons, I mean, come back to this, this is going to be good. Um, and again, I mean, this has all been good running by feel like thoughts on form, you know, strength training, um, marathon training. This has all been good for any of those topics. Like, you know, um, uh, for any of the runners out there, come back to this as you need. Alan, I wanted to cover, you know, like with all my episodes, but by the end to go over your breaking five moment. Now this can be your own breaking five actual moment, or it can be whatever your, you feel like your biggest goal, uh, or biggest, you know, accomplishment has been that you, you know, put out there. What would you say has been your own on a personal level, breaking five moment in your running? I would say, Probably 2004, uh, Philadelphia Marathon. So I had, this was my fourth marathon. The first two I had done, I, I just complete uh, implosion the last the last 10K. And so I went three hours and eight seconds, the first one, then 2.59, um, the second one, then managed to bring it down to 2.52, the third one. Um, and then so for the Philly Marathon, my goal was sub 2.50. Um, and at the time, the women's Olympic trial standard was, was 248. And I think we were getting close to the end of the, the window or no, actually 2004. So actually it was beginning of the window, I guess, since the Olympics had already happened. But anyway, there's, there's a lot of like sub elite women you know, trying to get um, run that standard on um, the 248. So I said, you know, I'm just going to 
kind of hang on with this pack and you know, yeah. they're gonna, I know they're going to hold a, a steady pace. They're not right. going to be, you know, they're not going to fall apart. So I said, you know, I'm just going to stick with, stick with this train for a while. And, you know, of course some people, you know, fell off as it went on. Um, and I was feeling just incredible at halfway. Um, and then just gradually kept picking up the pace. I went through halfway in like 123 or 124. I think it was 124 and change. Yeah, and then, so I ended up running the second half in 118. Oh, nice. Change. That's and awesome. It was, and it was, <laughs> were you with the pack then, or did you go ahead of the pack, this pack? Then? I had broken off about mile, mile 20. Okay. Um, but it was I mean, pretty much everything was, was emptied from the tank. I mean, I was, and it was pretty exciting too, because there's a lot of sparse areas in terms of crowd support on the, yeah. the course. Um, but the last mile or so, um, there's people lining both sides of the road. I kind of felt like the Tour de France or something like going up a hill. Um, <laughs> like, and it's, yeah, yeah and they've got, it's, it finishes at the Philadelphia Art Museum. So, you know, okay. the Rocky statue is. So, uh, yes, that was pretty exciting to finish. But eventually actually I ended up um, running so hard, I, I got sent to the emergency room. Um, just because all my, I so was you pushed like, it. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty much incoherent, and oh my, my, my uh, blood numbers were all all a disaster. And you know, the the tin foil blanket and uh, Gatorade and bananas wasn't uh, resuscitating me. It wasn't uh, enough. back to normalcy. No, no. So the got so, a little ambulance ride over to. So what was your final time then? What did you uh, it was two forty three and change? Okay, was this your PR then? That was my PR at the time. It was a PR by uh, nine minutes. Okay. Um, actually. Awesome. Awesome. So that was, yeah. So that was kind of like the breaking five moments. Um, that's, yeah. I mean, I'd say my, probably my best moments in running was um, going 113 in the half, winning uh, the Tucson marathon here, which is kind of funny because a, a lot of times, so, you know, in Tucson, Arizona, um, we're not that far from Flagstaff. So for a Tucson marathon, a lot of times, um, like some of the elite runners from the Kenyans will come down just for like a tempo run of the Tucson yeah. marathon. Um, yeah. This year, that year, um, they didn't show up uh, for whatever reason. Uh, maybe they weren't offering prize money. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I'm running along and clicking off uh, my goal pace. And then like halfway through the race, I'm like, well, I can, I can kind of see the police car, or the lead police motorcycle, which is, yeah. you know, doesn't usually happen in, in, a, in a half marathon. Um, but then eventually just start picking people off. And then, um, yeah, next thing I know, I've got like the running the last four miles with the police motorcycle escort feeling That's like awesome. something special. You're like, um, yeah, no, that's awesome. No, those are two really good breaking by moments. And especially for anyone, you know, with marathon, half marathon background um, and like to PR in the marathon by nine minutes, like that has to feel good. And shoot, man, I've done one marathon. So that's all I can do. <laughs> but where can our listeners find you at? Anyone that's listening and anyone that's in Arizona, what city are you in exactly again? In Arizona? I'm in Tucson. In Tucson. You're right yeah. in Tucson. I didn't, I yeah. couldn't remember if it was a suburb or anything but so if you're in tucson um alan is in tucson but otherwise he does serve you know runners throughout the u.s as well where can our listeners find you at as u.s in the world yes oh sorry why am i saying the u.s anywhere in the world sorry anywhere in the world yes this is correct (laughs) Uh, so probably the easiest um so if you're instagram um the kettlebell that the kettlebell doc uh, you can find me there Um, my website is uh You can uh, find me there. I mean, on Facebook, I don't even know what like my Facebook address is, but personal, you know, just, yeah, Phillips, yeah, right? yeah, I think, yeah. That's if you see the picture of uh, someone sitting underwater. That's uh, you. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> Should be too hard to find. No. And then, I mean, I think your Instagram is probably like the best place to find you and find tips on, you know, running, share some kettlebell exercises, hence the name, but also all things running and yeah. Anything else, any, I, I mean, anything else anywhere else that they can find you at or is that about it oh uh, yeah those are the main places awesome um, 
I mean, so you could certainly show up at the, at the gym where I work. If yeah. I if to. you're in, if you're in, if you're in Tucson, well, Alan, thank you so much for coming on today. This is going to be really good for, um, the runners out there and just, you know, especially anyone, like I said, you know, running those longer distances. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge. I know you're a wealth of knowledge, um, when it comes to running and anything, any parting thoughts that you wanted to share with our listeners. I mean, hopefully, uh, I know this was a, more of a running than a business uh, episode, but uh, you know, hopefully, once I get through the the mat, your mastermind course, or mastermind <laughs> program, hopefully we can we can uh, come back on and, and talk about a, a great business success story because yes, actually, I, I enjoyed those last uh, couple episodes that you had with um, you know the people that were um, extremely successful yeah um, in a short period of time, uh, so very very inspiring and uh, helps helps me to get motivated to you know, putting the, the grunt work to, to make it happen. To do so. that. Cause you can totally do that as well. Yeah, no, and we totally, I wanted this one to be a little bit, cause we've done a lot for the business side of things. I was like, we're going to do like a little bit more of a running podcast, but um, yeah, certainly on the business side, Alan is, you know, working with people, especially like with ones that find themselves like chronically injured, you know, having services out there and yeah, we can bring, we'll bring you back on. Let's do that. We'll make it a goal. Okay. In six months, you can bring you back on and we'll do your business success story. <laughs> Deal sound like a good plan. <laughs> that, that works for me. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you for being on today. Um, thank you to everyone listening. Let me know if there was anything else you wanted to hear from Alan, what topics you like to hear from. If there's anything else you guys want to hear, let me know. Message me on Instagram. And until then, I hope you guys go all run your life and we will catch you on the next episode of Breaking Five. All right. Bye, guys. All right. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. We hope you are running away with some inspiration, tips, and actionable items that you can put towards your Breaking Five moment. Lastly, if you know anyone else with a Breaking Five moment, that doesn't have to actually mean literally Breaking Five, just a Breaking Five moment in general, in running, in life, or anyone else who has great knowledge and background in helping others reach their Breaking Five moment, I would love for you to put me in contact with them. We would love to have them on the show. So if you could and let them know, if you know of someone else, tell them to reach out to me at my Instagram, and that is at Kristen underscore run your life. Again, that's at Kristen underscore run your life. And could you do me a favor? And if you enjoyed today's episode and can think of anyone else who could benefit from listening to it, could you go ahead and share this out on your social media or share this directly with them? That would mean the world to me, seriously. And make sure if you have not already, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so that you get our weekly updates as we drop the next episodes. Thank you, everyone. We seriously appreciate you tuning in today. We'll see you next time. And until then, go run your life.